friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Chachings. My name is Lauren Keplinger, and I am thankful that you are here joining me today. So on today's episode, I am going to do my first half of 2021 year in review. So these year in reviews are something that I have done um, twice a year for the past, I don't know, year or two. Um, so just going through my own shop and kind of the trends that I'm seeing, what I'm noticing about my shop and how it's going so that you have that transparency in my own shop and also just kind of, you know, there's a lot of times that you think like, okay, but what's really going on behind the scenes or what does it really look like for somebody who maybe is a little bit further along in their business than you are or has been doing it longer, Um, And so this is just that peek behind the curtain of how the business looks for me, what I'm struggling with, what's working, what's not working. So 2021, we ran into it with, you know, welcome arms to get rid of 2020 and move on to new things, better days ahead. Um, Quarter one of 2021 was great for me. My sales were up like 30% from 2020. Everything was great. Life was grand. Um, But what we're going to talk about uh, for a little bit on this podcast episode is mostly quarter two, which has been pretty weird. And so the spring of 2021, um, I think, well, to backtrack a little bit, sales and traffic in quarter one of 2021 were about, I believe, like 25 or 30 percent up for me over 2020 sales. Now, granted, 2020 sales were a little weird because as I talked about on my year in review and my mid-year report for last year, I had a lot of supplier issues in 2020 because I buy a lot of my supplies directly from China. So when COVID started in China in the very beginning of 2020, after the Chinese New Year, I had a ton of supply issues. So Comparing quarter one of this year to quarter one of last year is kind of hard because of that, because I had a lot of listings or a lot of orders I wasn't able to fill. And I mean, it's just, it's really been a dumpster fire. So anyway, um, quarter one for me, regardless, was really um, great for this year. Things were great. Everything was, you know, chugging along. And March was my busiest month of the year so far. And then in quarter two, things things did get weird sales-wise and honestly kind of just across the board. So there's a lot of um, talk or rumors or conspiracy theories or whatever you want to call them about why sales are so down in the spring. I'm seeing a lot of reports from um, even, you know, sellers like myself who have been on Etsy for a long time with tens of thousands of sales. These are not like new businesses. They're not unproven products. I mean, these are things that have sold over and over for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, And yet still sales are down. 
So one of the things that I heard a lot about, um, just mostly in Facebook groups, I did not hear anything about this from Etsy directly, um, and they haven't put out anything publicly that really points to this being true, but there's a big rumor about um, the reason that people were having lower sales this year, that big time sellers were seeing lower sales, was because of a more localized search. So people were having search results that were personalized to them, and they were seeing things that were more local to them, which honestly kind of makes sense because Etsy has had a big push to have faster shipping time. So obviously, if I'm in North Carolina and I'm shipping something to North Carolina, it is going to arrive faster than if I'm shipping it like to California or Hawaii or whatever. Um, But I do also want to just say before we kind of dive into the data and the stats here that every time people see a drop in sales, this has been going on since I started selling on Etsy and I'm sure since before I started selling on Etsy, every time there is a drop in sales, people blame it on the Etsy algorithm. And people freak out about there being, oh my gosh, there's an algorithm change. Oh my gosh, there's been these changes. Oh my gosh, blah, freaking out. And, you know, I will be the first to say that the Etsy algorithm, like every algorithm, is always changing. So no matter if you are using Facebook or Instagram or Google or ads or, you know, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, or um, Google ads, Pinterest, like Realtor.com has an algorithm for which house they show me at the top of my search. Every tech platform has an algorithm. And just like every other tech platform, Etsy is always working to make that algorithm better and to update the, you know, AI that it goes off of and to make that smarter and more personalized for the individual. However, Every time there's a a slow day in sales or even a slow month in sales, it does not mean that they have changed the algorithm so dramatically that we have no idea what's going on anymore and everything is just going to garbage. Um, But one of the ways that I like to combat this in my mind or to kind of go back to what is really happening versus what I feel like is happening. So people can say like, I feel like this is happening or I feel like my my sales are slower. I feel like my traffic's down or I feel like whatever. But when you go back to the data and you go back to the numbers, you can see what's actually happening and what's actually showing to be true in your own shop. As a side note, this is also one of the reasons why I am such a big fan of tracking your analytics, because I think that it's really easy to say that you don't feel like there's any growth. So if you say, even with things like not on Etsy, um, but you know, let's say you are trying to grow your Instagram account, you have a goal of growing your Instagram account, to track where you start and where you want to go and over what period of time. So let's say you started in January with zero followers and you say, by the end of you know the year, by the end of December, I wanna have 1,200 followers. So I want to add 100 followers a month. And then you can look at that and you can look at the data and you can see whether that's happening or not versus just having an ambiguous goal of doing something like, I just want to grow my account. I want to grow my followers. And you don't remember where you started and you don't really know how many you've grown or you know what kind of progress you're making. 
it's then very easy to say, I feel like it's not happening because I guarantee you it will happen slower than you wish that it would. I guarantee that it will not happen as fast as you wish that it would. (laughs) That's kind of just the name of the game with growing an online business is that you always wish that it would be faster than it actually is. So Tracking those analytics gives you hard numbers and data to go back to, to look at what is actually happening in your shop. So in looking at my shop um, in March, which was my highest month of the year, I sold products to 39 states, five countries, and 3.1% of my orders were international orders. The highest number of sales were to Texas, New York, and California. None of those are close to me, obviously. And the total from my own state, North Carolina, was 5% of my orders were from North Carolina. In April, which is when people started saying, you know, I don't know what's happening. My sales have really declined. April was my slowest month of the year so far. I sold to 31 different states, four different countries, and 3.9% of my orders were international. So my percentage of orders that were international increased. 2.8% of my orders were from North Carolina, so that's about half, just over half of the percentage of orders um, made were from my own state. And the highest sales states in April were New York, which is the same, Texas, which is also the same, and Alabama. Texas actually had 7% of the total sales for the entire month of April. So what that tells me is that I had pretty, honestly, pretty comparable stats from March to April, slightly fewer states in April, but I also had dramatically lower sales in April. So that's going to impact the number of states that I sell to. Um, In terms of international orders, they increased. And in terms of orders from my localized area, they decreased. And the sales states, two out of three of them, the highest number of sales states, two out of three of them were the same. The total sales volume fell significantly between March and April. March was my highest month and April was my lowest month. My overall traffic, however, is up 23% year over year from last year. And the traffic in the spring of this year is very similar to the traffic numbers in the spring of last year. So what does that tell me about my shop and what's going on here? Across the board, like I said, in the spring, a lot of people were complaining about lower sales this spring, even very established shops. And people do like to blame it on something else. They like to blame it on something outside of their own shop or themselves and create these theories about the way that the Etsy search algorithm is changing. And then people freak out about this drop in sales and the rumors circulate all over the place. And Facebook groups are terrible about having these rumors just stir all the time. But I really do encourage you to look at that data because while it might be easy for me to freak out about the lower sales in April, and of course I'm not thrilled about lower sales, that's not ever a good thing, And I would wonder if what if there is truth to this idea of localized search or maybe there's something else going on with the algorithm. Maybe they're prioritizing something. Maybe they've changed something up, whatever. Ultimately, what the data tells me is that it's not really true in my actual traffic and sales. My traffic is up, which means that I'm still being found in the search and the SEO that I have in place is still working. 
traffic and SEO are directly related to each other. So if my SEO is optimized, I'm going to have more traffic. If my SEO is not optimized, I'm not going to have as much traffic. That's what SEO does. It drives traffic to your shop. So if I'm having actually way more traffic this year than I had last year, my SEO is still working, which tells me that the algorithm has not dramatically changed. My sales are still coming in from pretty equal amounts of states and locations, and the states that have historically been high sellers for me are still holding true. I always sell a lot of stuff to Texas. <laughs> I sell monogrammed baby items. That's like a Texas thing. I sell things that are popular in the South, so I am going to have a lot of sales to the South. But I also sell more product to states with higher population density, like California and like New York. Those trends have not changed in my shop and the trends have not changed significantly in international orders. Actually, I'm seeing an uptick in international orders, which is really interesting to me as there were so many issues with the post office last year that it's kind of surprising to me that people are willing to wait so long for international orders to be delivered. But regardless, I am seeing a big uptick in international orders, which is is really cool and interesting. I actually just sent a big order this morning to Australia and one yesterday to Saudi Arabia. So I am continuing to see that. I feel pretty confident moving forward knowing that the things that have worked in the past to bring in traffic to my shop are still going to work and are still working now. It is just a change in shopper habits and buyer habits in the way that they are choosing to shop online or not online or maybe they're looking online, but they're not buying right now. So I'm still getting the same amount of traffic. I'm still getting the visits. I'm still getting the views. I'm still getting the favorites. People just aren't buying at the same rate. But I'm content to wait it out a bit and see how the end of the summer and the early fall plays out for sales as people begin to move back into a normal pace of life post-COVID lockdowns. Um, I think that it's um, something that a lot of us have struggled with kind of mentally or emotionally as, you know, all last year people made jokes about how everybody everybody called COVID, um, you know, these unprecedented times. Like we're living in these unprecedented times. And now that we're kind of beginning to come out of this COVID situation, people expect that everything's just going to snap back to normal and life is going to go back to completely normal post-COVID very rapidly. And I just don't think that that's true. I think we have to be patient because while it is a very overused phrase, we are still living in those unprecedented times. We don't know what it looks like to come out of a pandemic economically or for online shopping. You know, this has not been something that we have trends from the past to look back on to say, well, post-pandemic online shopping did X, Y, and Z. Like that. That just doesn't exist. So this is kind of, we're just blazing our own trail here of what's going to happen, how are buyer habits changing, um, and what is that going to look like as we head into the fall? I certainly don't think online shopping is going anywhere, so I'm not too concerned about it at this point. Overall, for me, sales are up 7% from last year, so certainly not as much as I had hoped and not as much as it was in the first quarter of 2021, but still up, which is good in my book always. Um, the other thing, another thing that I wanted to talk about as a mid-year review is that for me, off-site ads, and I would say that this is probably true for people who are selling um, 
fairly consistently have like a decent number of daily or monthly sales, but offsite ads pretty much continue to be a non-issue across the board. So this is a very hotly debated topic. People have a lot of opinions about offsite ads. I have talked about them extensively on the podcast. I also am not a huge fan of them. It is frustrating that we can't opt out of them, blah, 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 but we can't do anything about it. So it is what it is. Um, and lots of people were really frustrated when they rolled those out because you can't opt out of them once you've had over $10,000 in sales and you don't have that control over it. But instead of looking at the ad individually and the percentage of ad fees incurred on that individual sale, I look at it across the board in my shop. So this year so far, I have had $464.16 in offsite ad fees that I have paid and a total orders in my shop of 1,566 orders since January. So that means if I spread out those fees across all of my orders, it only adds 29 cents to each of my orders. So I could raise my prices by 29 cents and I would break even on the offsite ads that Etsy is running for me. Obviously, I'm not going to raise my prices by 29 cents, but it shows you that when the sales are at a high enough level that you can bring in enough sales on your own, averaging it out across all of the sales that you get really shows how insignificant it is. On a micro level of individual orders, the offsite ad fees are very high. Um, but they make up such a small portion of orders that they just don't end up being super important. However, that assumes that the majority of your sales are coming from other places and your only sales aren't from offsite ads. So offsite ads, if those are your only sales, can be a real double-edged sword because otherwise you wouldn't be getting any sales, which obviously is a bummer, but also the fees are very high. So if you are only getting offsite ad sales or if they're making up a very large percentage of your sales, those fees are very high and it's hard to kind of eat that um, profit hit that they take out because it ends up being in the 20, I can't remember, 22, 23% when you add up all of the fees, um, which is a is a big portion for sure. However, when you have the sales coming in through other organic means like SEO on the platform, then it becomes a much smaller percentage or portion of your sales. So working on SEO and continuing to optimize for the Etsy search still works and it's still the best way to bring in traffic and it's going to make those fees affordable for you as a whole, like a kind of a holistic view of your shop and what that looks like for your profit margins. So things that are not working, those are my things that were working, although it's kind of a mixed bag of whether or not it was working, but these are things that have changed or are not working for me. One big thing that I have noticed this year, particularly in kind of the second quarter timeframe of 2021, is that bestsellers in my shop have changed and kind of ebbed and flowed. This has been surprising to me as most of my best-selling listings have been perennial bestsellers for years and years and tens of thousands of dollars in sales. However, I think that this has to do, I would be interested actually to hear from you all if you are finding the same things. 
in my own shop, I think that my best sellers not selling as well anymore mostly has to do with outdated photography on my part and not keeping up with increasingly improved visuals that my competitors are having. So photography is something that I have been working on for several months behind the scenes. I am definitely seeing the payoff. I have updated some of my best-selling listings to newer photography, updated photography, just better photography in general. Um, and I am definitely seeing those products move faster that I have updated the photography on versus the older photography. You all might be more experienced photographers than me, and so maybe this is not something that you struggle with, but especially because I got started on Etsy so long ago, um, you know, in 2012 when I started, things like Instagram weren't really, I don't know if Instagram existed in 2012. It certainly wasn't on the radar of most people, um, nobody that I knew anyway. And so visual platforms like that weren't really around at the level that they are now. So when I got started, I had, you know, kind of crappy photography that was on a blanket in my bedroom. I didn't really worry about the lighting. I didn't know anything about photography and it was fine. And it just didn't really matter that much because comparable listing photos in other people's shops were pretty much the same and that was it. Now, the sellers have gotten a lot more savvy to how to take good product photos. You have things like Instagram influencers and people who do this. You know, they create visuals for brands and they create visuals for their own um, personal brand. And the, just the visual part of platforms has increased so much and at such a higher level than it used to be that I think that my products, um, some of the, my products that were bestsellers in the past look outdated at this point. The, the photos look outdated. They're not, they're just not up to par. So that is something that I have been slowly but surely working through in my shop. Um, you know, y'all have heard me talk about photography extensively. It is not my favorite thing to do by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and it is not something that comes naturally to me. So it is something that is a work in progress, but I am seeing the results from that. Um, and so that has been interesting to me to have those bestsellers change and ebb and flow. The other part is that ads have gotten way more expensive. Etsy, this is on-site Etsy ads, not off-site ads. Those are a different beast. Um, on-site Etsy ads have gotten way more expensive than they used to be. I actually just recently updated the ads portion of Scale Your Sales. And as I was going through the old lessons, replacing it with the new videos, I saw that in there, I was talking about getting a 50 times return on my investment for my Etsy ads. So I would put $1 into Etsy ads and make $50 back. Um, that is just not happening anymore. Uh, I don't know that that's happening for anyone. It's certainly not happening for me. I would say pretty safely that it's probably not happening for anyone anymore. The Etsy ads landscape has changed dramatically. Um, especially since they implemented the offsite ads and they split them. And it is something that has to be actively managed a lot more than it used to be. It's definitely not something that you just want to set it and forget it because they will spend a lot of money and not necessarily get a whole lot of return. So if you are seeing your returns on your ads drop, then I would say you're in good company and they have definitely gotten more expensive. 
on a personal note in my business, um, I think I talked about it maybe last year. I, I know I meant to. I don't know if I ever actually did the episode, but for the past year and a half, I have had um, a couple employees work in my shop. Um, and most recently, um, my employee that was doing the bulk of the monogramming ended up getting a different job um, for personal reasons. We're still on good terms. It wasn't like an ugly fallout or anything. Um, but so she's not working for me anymore. And I am back to doing all of the monogramming myself. So that has been an interesting shift for me. Um, there are a lot of labor shortages kind of across the country. And so having a job that offers so few hours, I was really only hiring for like five to 10 hours a week, makes it really challenging to find anybody that wants to work within those parameters. Um, and so I'm doing it myself for now, which is definitely not what I saw happening. I didn't anticipate that, but it's been fine and it's been manageable. Um, as I've talked about before, I really only work about five to 10 hours a week in my shop. Um, when I had my employee, I would say it was about five hours a week. Now it's probably closer to 10 since I'm doing all of the monogramming. Um, but the good news is that I feel comfortable hiring an employee. I'm not afraid of that process anymore. Um, so I feel comfortable hiring someone new if I decide to do that again. I'm kind of on the fence about whether or not I want to hire someone new and go through the process of training them and doing that all over again. But um, yeah, so that has been uh, a change that I wasn't really expecting. And um, it's been a challenge personally for me to make the time to take on those extra hours to do the monogramming. And the other part of that is really sitting down with my family and my spouse and figuring out what my goals are for that monogramming part of my business. I know that I talked in the beginning of the year um, with my end of year review for 2020 and my projections or my goals for 2021 was that I wanted to hit $200,000 in sales this year. I would say that that is probably not going to happen <laughs> unless I have an absolutely gangbuster uh, second half of the year. But the part of that is, you know, the flip side of that is that especially since I don't have an employee anymore, I don't know that I really want to have an absolutely gangbuster part of second part of the year um, that is going to make me totally overwhelmed. So finding that balance of where do I want to fall in terms of the revenue for the shop, what are my goals for my shop, and what are my goals for continuing to grow the business and continuing to have it be sustainable with also balancing, like, I don't want to just continue to work more and more hours to bring in more and more revenue. There is kind of a sweet spot for me where I'm not overwhelmed with what I have to do. I can get it done in that five to 10 hour a week time frame. And then life, the rest of my life outside of work rolls along happy and healthy and balanced and not stressed all the time. I tend to find that that falls around the $150,000 a year range where I'm able to have that balance. And so for me, Part of what I have kind of gone through mentally this year in the first half of this year and with my shop and, 
you know, having my kids back in school on like a normal basis and not like back and forth with virtual school and having a baby and blah, 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 is that really having a heart to heart with myself of what those goals are. Do I want so badly to hit that $200,000 mark in sales that I'm willing to work more nights or work more weekends or get more childcare so that I can do more monogramming? Is that really my goal or is that kind of a vanity metric where the difference between $150,000 and $200,000 in sales for the year isn't really going to do anything for my life other than check off that box, but it for sure is going to majorly stress me out. So you all know if you've listened to the podcast or you've listened to any of my videos for any length of time that the balance side of it is really important to me. I think that it is extremely important to set goals in your business, but also in how your business fits in with your overall lifestyle. I mean, I I have my Etsy shop, I have the coaching side of the business, and I have four kids. And all of those things are important to me, but it is not so important to me to hit those, you know, that Etsy sales goal that I'm willing to sacrifice the other pieces of my life. So finding that place where I can say, I'm happy with where I'm at in this and I'm happy with the number of sales and the revenue that I'm bringing in, but I'm also happy with the balance that I have in my life, I think is really, really crucial. And I think that it's something that sometimes gets lost in, I don't know, internet marketing or maybe just marketing in general where it's always about more and more and more and how can I grow this and how can I make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And I am all about growing a business. I love to grow a business. That's what we talk about here. But I also think that that balance piece is extremely important. And so that's been something that I've been really tossing around, especially after my employee quit. And, um, you know, as that kind of has shifted the way that the business is running on a day-to-day basis with all of it falling on me now, is it are those sales goals the priority here or is there something more that needs to be the priority? So that's just some food for thought for you. I hope that that conversation helps. Maybe it sparks in you something that says, you know, there is a balance here that looks different than maybe what you thought it might look like, or maybe you can handle more and more and more growth, or maybe it's something like me a few years ago that I said, like, this is my goal in the future. Like, this is where I want to be with the business, but it's not going to happen right now, right this second, because I have a baby and, you know, I have these young children or whatever, my husband was deployed or whatever, whatever it is. There are always reasons why it's not a good time. There are always people that will tell you you just have to push through it and do it anyway. I think that if you sit down and have that heart-to-heart with yourself, you can find that place where it feels good to you and you're not making an excuse. You're allowed to set those boundaries in your life. So anyway, that's not really what I thought I was going to talk about here, but that is my first half of 2021 year in review. Things are really up and down. Uh, It has been a bit of a roller coaster, which I didn't expect. I think I, like so many other people, thought that we were just going to hit 2021 and we were going to forget about 2020 and life is going to totally go back to normal and be grand and 
Um, it's been a little bit more up and down than that. And I think that it probably will continue to be for, you know, several more months. I'm hoping that by the fall into the holiday season, things will start to normalize and we will get back to kind of what was a normal, a pre-COVID normal. But in the meantime, we're just riding this wave wherever it goes and um, having fun along the way, hopefully, in building these businesses and setting these goals and making these things happen. So I hope that you have enjoyed this first half of 2020 year in review. I would love if you follow me on Instagram. I'm lauren.keplinger. And I would love to hear about how your first half of 2021 is going and what maybe is working or not working for you or any thoughts about this episode. Check me out, lauren.keplinger on Instagram, and I'd love to chat with you. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. I will see you next week back here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Bye.